Hi, I'm Michaela Loach. And I'm Rebecca. And this is the Yikes Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Yikes Podcast. Um, we are sorry there's been a bit of a delay in having a new episode out but you know the world's a weird place um so we're recording these remotely so I just want to apologize for the sound quality um and yeah we're going to talk today about toxic positivity about like good vibes only culture and that kind of stuff yeah um we're gonna dive into lots of different domains I don't know I guess it was kind mm. of triggered by your um your Instagram caption and recent posts about like just like those good vibes only like influencers and like people mm. on Instagram and yeah and we've had like yeah. a whole rant already in like the between <laughs> us and then we were like let's just let's just do an episode on this because it's been annoying us big time for a long time yeah especially in the whole like vegan sustainable like yoga mm. med- like mindfulness kind of sphere I don't know if that's the right way to say it um I can definitely see this happening a lot of this whole kind of like oh good vibes only positivity only like no bad vibes allowed here um and how that basically can be used as a silencing tool um and that's Mm -hmm. very problematic um and so if we're going to introduce it a bit um on my account um Michaela Loach I wrote like a post around this stuff and talked about how um especially now and during this time where obviously things are quite stressful for everyone everyone's going through this kind of shared trauma um people are kind of silencing other people talking about these issues or talking about any issues at all by saying that um we only want good vibes now we only want positive vibes we like Mm -hmm. we don't want to talk about the bad things we don't want to talk about politics now like this isn't the time for politics and all that kind of load of crap really um (laughs) (laughs) and I think not enough people are calling this out like I don't think I see enough people calling out these big accounts on these things and a lot of these huge accounts that um have thousands and thousands or maybe millions of followers they're literally making money off peddling this literal silencing of people Mm. talking about oppression and they say they're about good vibes but are those good vibes only for people who are just like them? Because I never see them trying to um, democratise those good vibes um, out to marginalised people. I never see them passing the mic to yeah. people who represent different oppressions that they don't they don't face. I only see them talking about these good vibes, quote unquote, within their own privileged small bubble of people. Um, and yeah, that's not that's not real good vibe. That's not real positivity. I think that, that like real positivity is creating an impact which. Um, shares out that positivity and those good vibes and like uh fairer society out to other people especially the most marginalized especially the most depressed um and when we when when we're faced with things that are uncomfortable such as um dismantling white supremacy such as like dismantling the oppressive systems that we that we benefit from or that we um might mm. participate in um to respond to that with just silencing or pushing it away um, isn't going to help the issue it's only going to uphold these oppressive systems and make it worse so yeah we're going to talk a bit about um positivity culture and how that can be toxic and um kind of we, yeah we'll talk we'll probably just dive down into so many different things over joke this always yeah. happens <laughs> yeah that's yeah. awesome I feel like already in that what you just like said is like there's so much of like I mean like everything from like mental health awareness, like how that has been like silenced for so long because like mm. it's always like, like oh like 
we all have to just like continue to pretend that we're fine um rather than or like even like access to like medical care like so many people particularly in marginalized communities don't have access to regular healthcare or like if they go to healthcare like they're literally silenced around their pain um mm. of like 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 that but then also i mean like i'm just thinking about like all of these like what's really trendy at the moment they're like bali retreats like <laughs> yoga mm. like all these like vegan like activists like um like flying to you know like bali to crawl up each other's youtube asses and <laughs> get it. Um, to like you know like work on themselves and improve their lives like okay but if you're really that you know like i don't know mm. dedicated to improving mental health and improving yourself to be a better human like then i want to see like how you're advocating to like dismantle oppressive systems so that mm. we all benefit from mindful retreats or whatever you do like you know mm. like how are we doing that around like collective care like if it's just benefiting you then you're actively benefiting of other people like frontline workers or like other people powdering your own ass while you advocate for such mindful yeah mm. uh, I always wonder with these with a lot of these accounts and these people I'm like if you spend so much time working on yourself and making yourself a better person then how can you still mm. manage to be such an asshole to other people like, you, <laughs> yeah like I don't I really don't get it like I, I <laughs> like that sounds like a joke but I'm being serious no, like, I, so don't, I really don't get it how like if you're spending so much time like working on yourself and making yourself this better person then how come you're still like I don't know how come you're still so fragile when someone talks to you about racism like how come mm. you can't actually like you're not you can't face up to these things and you can't actually unpack your own like how you uphold these oppressive systems it doesn't make any sense like and it just really annoys me yeah. how people uphold this and especially when it comes to talk around mental health like um Matt Haig who's amazing and wrote a really great book called Reason to Stay Alive as long as as well as some other books and he's a great mental health advocate mm. He was talking about this on his page recently because a lot of people have started on following him during this time because they were like, I followed you for the good mental health quotes and and for all the nice, like positive stuff. I didn't follow you for politics. And he was saying, he was like, Do you not see how mental health is linked to politics? Do you not see how yeah. like we can't talk about mental health without talking about the messy parts of it and the parts that cause yeah. these issues? Um yeah. I think too often like people it's really weird how people will make out that the reason that they're following this positivity culture or this mindfulness stuff or whatever is just because they want to protect mental health and like look after mental health. But I'm like, if you're not looking at the root causes, then we're not going to actually help mental health. Like all we're doing is like ignoring the actual issue. It's just bizarre. I, I mean, like in general, they're like, Oh, don't go into politics. Like, let's just have a good time. Like that is so problematic. Cause it just like mm. highlights like how you think that, not like that talking about like not politics is not po like political like mm. everything is politics mm. you know like and I feel like especially at an, like at the current time like, it really plays out like how so much is linked like everything's political and like the way mm. that our nurses are treated like the way that who is receiving benefits like during uh, like the current time like how rents are going up like how jobs are being cancelled all of this like is linked to like politics and like everything is political like so if you're saying like let's not talk about politics what you're really saying is like let's just like base on our privilege because mm, we can not yeah like yeah and it's it's so problematic in so many mm. ways um, it's like i don't think people think about the fact that um like 
speed limits are political the fact that where I live mm. you can only drive 20 miles an hour around the village like that's political so like all the things that are part of our lives are political choices like the fact that I don't know the cereal that I ate for breakfast didn't have I don't know like a point I don't know something that was going to damage my health in it so like significantly mm. damage my health. that was a political choice because policy was created in order to protect people in that way um but in the same way yeah like nurses not being given a pay rise was a political choice made by the conservative party um mm -hmm. and that was cheered by conservative mps when they won that um vote mm. um not having testing properly in the uk that's a political choice austerity was a political choice mm. it was not a necessity it was a political choice you could they could have cho you yeah. can choose to spend your way out of a recession as well as you can choose to cut back on certain services and even within austerity the services which are chosen to be cut back on that is a political choice and mm. so when people make out that politics um is something that you can opt into that is honestly completely and utterly ridiculous and just screams of privilege like everything is yeah. political and yeah, as you're saying, if you if you're saying that you're not going to participate in that, you're still participating in it. But what you're choosing to do is uphold the status quo and not ch not change it. Yeah. You're choosing to allow um, the current system to continue. And the current system is entrenched in white supremacy. It's entrenched in institutional racism. It's entrenched in ableism. It's entrenched in homophobia in all these different oppressive systems. And if we're not going to yeah. participate in that system, then we're just saying we want it to continue as it is. And I don't think. Well, um, we shouldn't want that <laughs> if we actually want justice yeah. we shouldn't want that and so especially when I see these yeah. accounts that um talk about how they care about the planet and they care about the environment and they're sustainable and all this stuff but then and they want to, they want climate they want the climate crisis to be tackled but they aren't willing to tackle oppression do they not see that yeah. the roots of the climate crisis comes from colonialism it comes from institutional racism it comes from the genocide of indigenous patriarchy, people yeah. um, and patriarchy and all these different oppressive forces so if we aren't going to tackle the root cause we are never going to get climate solutions like there are real climate solutions for, for everyone and we're not going to get climate justice hi everyone um thank you so much for listening um this podcast is made possible thanks to all of our patrons so we really want to say thank you to them and patreon is really important to us as we really want this space to be owned by our listeners um a lot of things we talk about and the nature of the conversations that we have don't really match well with a lot of advertising platforms um or kind of companies which means that um patreon is kind of how we can keep this podcast going and it's really really important to us so we would really 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 love if you'd consider becoming a patreon there are extra bonus episodes on patreon there's like you can get how downloads with the music you can hear finn our producer actually speak on the patreon which is very exciting we'll be doing like like q a's and there'll be lots of different content on there so we'd really really love um if you came along and joined us over on patreon that's um where we have lots of extra fun stuff and also just helps this happen and if you've learned anything from this podcast or from me or joe and you'd like to like feedback into our work um patreon's the best way to do that um and we'd be really really grateful if you could sign up for that so um our patron is the yikes podcast and you can find that in the show notes and thank you so much for supporting us and i hope you enjoy the episode and we'll see you over on patreon watching it live with Andre Henry who is incredible by the way everyone should definitely mm. check out all of his work um, amazing and he is a black man and a Christian and he talks a lot about racism in the church and and a lot along with a lot of other things and in this live specifically 
one thing that really struck a chord with me is he was talking about how we deal with racism. And one thing that I've seen within silencing of issues as well has almost been like, well, that's not as big an issue. Therefore, I'm not going to let you challenge me on it because there are bigger issues at play and therefore this issue is not important. And especially when it comes to microaggressions and racism, I've experienced that, that I've said something Mm -hmm. is problematic and is racial violence in its own way. But because they see that as not a not a big deal, then that gets silenced. And one thing that he said that I found really, really um impactful, and like this isn't a direct quote, so I'm just doing it from memory. But he was saying mm-hmm. that like until we see like the small, everyday, subtle forms of racist violence as like intolerable and as abhorrent as um the most violent ones and the most and the biggest ones. Mm then we're just arguing about technique with racism. We're saying, like, we don't racism that way. We only racism this way. So, like, um, and so we don't want to, we shouldn't be just arguing about technique with racism. We should be saying that all forms of of racism are intolerable. And so until we see those smallest ones as as abhorrent as the biggest ones, then we're still going to live in a racist society. Um, Mm. And that really hit me. And I was really, like, moved by that as well because I'd never actually thought of it like that because so often... Um, part of this like um, part of existing as a person of colour in like a society like that we live in um, is kind of getting used to a lot of these small things and so and then only speaking up at least for me my experience was like only speaking up when um, the racism was really 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 obvious and it was okay it was almost like it was deemed okay for me to call it out um, so like we need to make sure that we are calling out all of the smallest bits and part of, and that should be like I don't know that's a way to spread good vibes is to like actually mm. do the work and actually make it that even these small bits of violence, even these small bits of oppression are as abhorrent, as distasteful, as disgusting as the most severe ones. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for sharing. I guess like even like that is another way how we uphold like white supremacy because mm. for you to only be able to talk about like um something that happened to you other people and like almost like have to show that like racism really existed there Mm. rather than like you know like another like a white person just trusting your intuition that like yes this was racist because it's based on your lived experience Mm. I think there's a lot like how yeah it's it's again of like we you can only say it it was like you felt or like you experienced this racism if it's visible for white people, which is yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just, yeah, I guess shows again that like we don't trust enough the intuition of people who have the lived experience of oppression. It's the oppressor that has to almost like, yeah, like almost like feel that there was an oppression for him to take it seriously um which is yeah really problematic and I think we need to learn better I I guess even there to yeah just trust the people because Mm. they I mean that's literally their lived experience so Mm. and also just like I think that's why there's a really important case here for white allies to stand up and do the work because Mm. I mean I've even experienced because part of like institutionalized racism part of white supremacy is that the voices of like black and brown people are invalidated like because that's a big part of white supremacy it's like like a white voice is um obviously more reliable in these situations which is which I find which is obviously like ridiculous but that is what white supremacy is as well and I've even experienced like recently like I since the um 
killing of um, Ahmed Aubrey, um, who if people don't mm. know was a 25 year old um, black man who was shot by a white father and son um, as he was just running through a neighborhood um, like on a jog. Um, since then that's challenged me um, because basically I think like most of the time, not, not most time, all of the time, I'm frustrated at all of this stuff. All of the time, mm-hmm. I'm frustrated with my friends for not talking about it. Like most of my friends, I'm frustrated with for not talking about this enough. And then when these things happen, I think it just like boils all of that to the surface. So I've been having a lot more conversations with friends about a lot of these different things. Because like as sad as it is, white supremacy means that people are going to validate a white voice as as with more validation than they are my voice, which is really yeah. sad. But that's why I see... That's why the case for having for people stepping up and being allies is so important because like, like people are actually going to listen to your voice more sometimes and that sucks and that's shit. But part of making mm-hmm. that not the case is stepping up and doing the work. Like you can't just leave it so people of colour to do the work. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's so frustrating. Um I get I guess yeah, it just shows again like how like if white people like don't start speaking about this like then there's like yeah I don't I guess like um I'm I'm a bit lost for words I think something that Andre <laughs> Henry Henry recently in another live like said is like the status quo is sustained by our consented and mm. I like mm. I felt that a lot because I, I guess also like something that keeps coming up is like like racism is not like it doesn't always end in physical violence or murder. Mm-hmm. And like so often like these like settles like violent acts or threats. Um, like it's for, I think for a white person, like we forget that like there's so much that like is not seen by white folk mm-hmm. and like, it, it, that it shouldn't have to be like be made visible by a case such as like Ahmed Aubrey that mm-hmm. we like, uh, reminded that like racism exists and like what's uh, mm-hmm. like something that came up for me a lot recently is that like especially white Europeans often like point to the US and being like oh yeah of course racism mm-hmm. exists there which in in itself like that is like not acceptable but like completely forget that like also the UK or Germany like mm-hmm. we have so much racism in our countries and like we often just like like to point fingers to other countries where there are oppressive forces, but like mm. and then like saying for our own situations, oh, but it's not as bad here, right? And like don't mm. even question like what we perpetrate with that because like that just means like oh, just a bit of oppression is is fine. Like mm. that is again like upholding your own benefits and like upholding your own good vibes because oh yeah, I'm an ally for like the US. Or like doing, you know, I'm reading about the US, but I'm not reading about my own situation. So, mm. yeah. Like with the whole like, um, oh, but I've, I've had people say this to me, like, oh, but you, at least it's not as bad as the US. You should be really happy. Like, it's almost like mm. they're being like, oh, like your oppression doesn't matter because it's not as bad as that person over there's oppression. And it's like, it's not the oppression Olympics. <laughs> like all oppression yeah. is bad and all racism yeah. is bad. And we shouldn't be saying, we shouldn't be invalidating someone like the racism that someone feels just because it's not as bad as the racism someone else feels. And we shouldn't, mm. because in that way we're saying, yeah, we're saying that like, oh, we're just arguing about technique. Yeah, we're saying that that racism is okay and this racism isn't, racism isn't okay. And this also like kind of links with, in with positivity stuff around the whole, um, well just look on the bright side of everything like at least you're yeah. not being lynched in your neighborhood and like that shouldn't be yeah. something that we say like, <laughs> it should be a, yeah 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 what an argument like jesus 
Yeah, like what? Yeah. I just it, honestly, I think. But I think sometimes we don't because these things have been so normalized. We don't actually think about them or talk about them, and that's why like mm. positivity culture and that kind of stuff is erasure. Like it's an erasure of experiences. It's an erasure of. It's literally a tool that's basically used to further oppress people by distracting them. It's like we'll use this distraction technique to stop you from dismantling oppression by just telling you that um, you need to look on the bright side of things or you need like your glass to be half full rather than half empty. Because especially when we talk about um, like more subtle forms of racist violence, like stress is a huge one. I wrote an essay um, Mm. last semester on black black female um maternal mortality rates um in the UK specifically because I really wanted to talk like highlight um how women black women in the UK are affected I think so often we talk about this whole America thing but actually the maternal mortality rates for black women in the UK are worse than for black women in the US and I and like Mm. there's a lot of um data around this there's so many studies on how stress impacts black women because they're dealing with not only um the stress and the oppression of being a black person and the stress and oppression of being a woman they're mm. experiencing the intersecting oppression of being a black woman um yeah. and a huge part of this like I really believe is just like how microaggressions and this is what a lot of the data was saying is like microaggressions like the daily um experiences of racism really affect you mm. and like really genuinely like have a material impact on the health of of black women of and I'm sure of other um, minorities as well. And like we were talking, we recorded a Patreon episode um, where we talked about um, how when Martin Luther King died, he had the heart of a man who was like 20 years older than he actually was. And that came from the stress of the activism that he did and the stress of like mm-hmm. fighting segregation in the US and oppression. And how often in um, discourse around um blackness and what it means to be black and stuff like almost struggle is a part of that it seems an inherent part of that is that we have to be strong and we have to fight and we will yeah we'll die with a with an older heart and that kind of way and I think that Mm. that itself is oppression because it's being like you have to dismantle your own oppression and in dismantling it we're expecting that to hurt you physically and I think that if we talked spoke more about how everyday violence like small violence um, mm. is materially and physically hurting um, black people and I'm sure other minorities as well and how if white people and white allies stand up and use their privilege in order to help and yeah maybe that'll be like a little bit stressful but like you're not having to deal with the stress of every single day having to deal with these microaggressions and so like it shouldn't be something it should be something that everyone opts into everyone should opt into like I'm going to democratize this by taking a bit of that burden away not in a saviory way but in just a like I appreciate that I don't have to experience this oppression on an everyday basis and therefore I can take a bit of stress on and be a bit uncomfortable in order to make other people more comfortable longer term. It's like I mean I think we both are very very aware of like we can't have a good time like it's not that you know like everyone always needs mm. to be struggling especially mm. like yeah we both like to take time off and like it's com- obviously it's fine for for everyone also to like 
focus like on yourself growth and stuff mm. but I feel like if if you're already in a, a very privileged position and I mean f for for people who are um like suffering under systems of oppression um it's not like it's never their fault like it's they are suffering under systems that are designed against them. Mm. And like, even like the world that we experience every day, like whether it's like around like ability and like disability and mobility or uh, big bodies versus like small bodies. Mm. And like, like the way that spaces are designed are designed for certain members of society and against mm. other members of our society. And like, if, if you experience a lot of like privilege around then that, then it's it's it is on you to to make sure that like you are advocating for other people and their rights and you are like working towards a more equitable society and mm. inherently like if we i mean if we just look at even like the good vibes like isn't it so much better to share that with other people mm. and like if, you know if you just like I mean, like, let's say, like, you're at a party and there's great music and you're the only one who's listened to that. Isn't it more fun if there was, like, loads of people and you could share that joy mm. and you could share, like, and it's not on the backs of other people? Um, and, like, that would be so much more sustained, like, long-term sustained joy anyways. And, like, so if you look at it from, like, a spiritual or religious or, um, yeah, like, that viewpoint like shouldn't it be our calling anyways to enable like growth and joy for mm. for all of us so if mm. you look at even like you know i guess like ancestral or like um inherited grief and trauma i think there was um there was something that i read recently of how um particularly like um black and brown folk like have like in in their bodies like in their dna it's now like tested like how grief and trauma manifests like in even like bodies and like dna mm. so like not, it's not just like emotionally but it's also like physically visible and like so like then that would mean like for white folk for example we need to do certain actions to dismantle for example white supremacy that people of oppression don't have to go through that entire trauma and like um yeah like so like we like lift up and like we balance each other out and yeah I don't know if if it's only mm. good vibes for you then I don't know it's it's not enough to like yeah it's not gonna cut it no but like I even feel like I always feel that when I talk to my friends about racism I feel really nervous before I do and I think this is because like from a young age like I was taught not not from like my parents didn't teach me this but I mean society and my schools and stuff kind of yeah. taught me not to talk about this stuff um and also from like one thing that Andre Henry was talking about on that live he was saying that there is the risk of that friendship ending <laughs> by talking about this because yeah. um some people aren't willing to talk about it like I've I've had experiences where I've talked to my friends about racism and then our relationships never been the same again because mm. they didn't want to be confronted on, on like about that kind of thing and so yeah if someone's talking to you about this stuff like that's taking a lot of courage so please don't undermine that mm. courage by just being like now it's your responsibility to teach me everything like google exists <laughs> um books <laughs> exist there are so many like there's so many free resources out there like on mm -hmm. Instagram or other platforms and there are so many books and like it's really good to to pay an author who's put their time into literally yeah. educate people on this stuff um so like books that I can recommend um are like we've talked about me and white supremacy um but also mm -hmm. why I'm no longer talking to white people about race by Rennie Edo Lodge um and natives by Carla 
um, are both really great as well. Um, do you have any other recommendations, Joe? Um, there's a German book called um, Exit Racism. Uh, it talks a lot about like Happy Land. Um, oh, there's another book, White Fragility, uh, which is really good. Okay, yeah, I've heard um, about that. I'm to, I'm reading at the moment Minor Feelings, which is um, more about the Asian American reckoning. Um, so it's more American based, but really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess any book by Chimanda Nagoti um, Adichie. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's just like uh, yeah, especially Americana. I think it's like more like a fictional book, obviously, but mm-hmm. uh, it talks a lot around like culture and yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's like some like yeah, kind of comprehensive. So, <laughs> I just resources. went a bit blank there as well. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> yeah, I just went a bit blank. Um, <laughs> oh, and also, yeah, I was gonna say that Rachel Cargill has a course um, on her Patreon, mm. which is literally just about like how to be a better ally. And um, Ravi Deep um, Core, let me check. Wait, what's her Instagram handle? Um, she yeah, Ravi Deep Core. She has. Um, an amazing anti-racism course as well and so does Nova Reed official on Instagram so there are loads of resources that you can use mm. um, to learn and unlearn and challenge yourself I think what um there's a really amazing book by um oh what's her name um the book is called Unapologetic a black queer feminist mandate for radical leadership Ooh. and I think for anyone who's in activism spaces especially um they talk about the um, it was an alternative like movement to the Black Lives Matter, but they used a queer and feminist lens. It's called Black mm-hmm. Young People 100, and they talk a lot around like leadership and like really difficult uh, questions around like mm. protecting their fellow like Black um, like people in their movement, but also like dealing with, for example, sexual harassment and like how to deal with like police violence, but also like justice and yeah, really amazing book for any activist. Uh, activists especially in leadership roles um. mm, cool well thank you everyone for listening to this um kind of ramble <laughs> and stream of consciousness we started off with um toxic positivity and then we linked yeah. it back to anti-racism and allyship mm. and everything but um yeah lots of important yeah. stuff <clears throat> and yeah. yeah we know that everyone's going through a really weird a wheelie a really weird time wow really weird. yeah not working um <laughs> So we hope everyone's doing okay and we're sending everyone loads of love as well. Um, please stay safe. Yeah, and like there's there's nothing wrong with focusing, you know, on your own mental health and your own doing well, but um, it's important like that also like to use whatever space you have. It doesn't matter how big or small your platforms are that you're involved in, but like making sure that anti-oppression work is in whatever we do so that mm. our collective good is in the forefront because that would take also care of our individual needs and well-being so yeah yeah exactly yeah so um your hosts have been Michaela Loach and Joe Becker and this podcast um is produced by Finley Moat uh, thank you for listening and we'll be back with another episode soon <laughs>